0: G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au.
1: T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Behind the stumps to behind the mic. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you. It is uh, 9.03 here on SENZ, and for the next three hours, we hope to entertain you with uh, quite a lot of rugby, actually. Uh, Ross Filippo, Waikato head coach, comes in to us very shortly. Uh, of course, uh, they are just flying high in the uh, Bunnings NPC, unbeaten on the back of winning the title last year. What is the recipe that he has found? Uh, we'll talk uh, to you, hopefully, after 9.30 this morning. We'll open up the lines and uh, give you a chance to win a Chemist Warehouse voucher to the value of 50 bucks. Uh, what do you think is going to happen tonight? Uh, if you want to talk about uh, the All Blacks, a forecast for tonight, uh, how you see it going, who are the key players tonight um, in terms of the All Blacks, uh, and what are you looking for as they continue to develop after that performance in Hamilton against uh, Argentina. So we'll open up the lines there. Cricket, we can talk cricket if you like as well. Uh, 10.04, uh, we're scheduled to talk to uh, Greg Murphy. Of course, uh, Kiwi Motorsport, great. Uh, the farewell to Pukekohe Park at the weekend. Uh, Murph's updates on uh, Bathurst as well. A number of issues to, to chat to the legend about. Uh, 10 uh, 20, about that time this morning, we'll talk to David Long and Lavina Goodis, uh, our panel. Uh, a number of subjects to talk about, of course, uh, including the All Blacks Super Rugby, the NRL final, the Warriors, and of course, uh, motorsport, uh, finding a new home for the supercars in New Zealand. Where are they likely to think that might head up? Um, we have got a pacing for purpose horse and a a greyhound as well for you today and in between those we'll be talking to uh, Tom Decent now Tom is uh, the rugby rider for the Sydney Morning Herald and uh, we'll be talking to him about tonight's game beginning of course 9.45 tonight a Thursday night, very very interesting Uh, and then we'll hand over to staff around about midday, big show
1: It's loose and again it's with wakato as tapaya cook savage pops a weak chip over for himself what's the bounce like that's excellent he's got pace he's got support too cook savage tapaya cook savage ball back in that is brilliant tahakimara wakato magic
2: Well, brilliant is the way to sum up that try and impressive is the way to sum up uh, Waikato's season so far. They have uh, beaten last night Southland 54-24 at FMG Stadium Uh, and it wasn't all plain sailing for them either, by the way. They were uh, down 17-14 early in the second half and then put 40 points in one of the most impressive second half displays we've seen this year. Uh, They've done it well all year. They did it well last year. So what's the recipe on the line now as Waikato head coach? Ross Filippo. Ross, good morning to you. Morning, Smithy. How are you, mate? Yeah, very, very good, and uh, I would imagine you're pretty good at, on the back of that second half performance last night, uh, 54-24 over Southland. P- pleasing in the end?
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was pleasing in the end, to be honest. The guys the guys actually worked really hard, and they were made to work harder through periods of the game, um, and then, you know, obviously got into their work and... Uh, pulled away in the second half, so I mean it was good because they had to go through a bit of a struggle. Um, they got a look, probably a little bit too loose early on, um, and then and then you know kind of adjusted a couple of things and 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 talked about playing in the right part of the field, and then off the back of that, we we got some good good momentum going.
2: It's uh, it's been an impressive uh, season, um, Ross, so far on the back of what you achieved last year. Um, unbeaten to the point you only drop points uh, against Hawke's Bay with a 32-all draw in, in round one. Um, you must be actually uh, quite pleased the way it's all come together for you. Um, you were able to retain 35 from 38 of your initial squad this year from last year, so uh, that was a good head start for you.
3: Yeah, I mean that, that consistency of squad has, has obviously been a a big help, and with it being uh, my second year with, with, with the coaching group and the, and the players, there's obviously a lot more cohesion. Um, so, you know, there's a better, under, a deeper understanding of how we like to operate as a management, and, and we understand our players a lot, lot better. So, I think you know those things have kind of been carried forward from last year. Um, our leaders are, and the team are really great at setting up expectations and, and helping. Um, new people coming into the environment be be supported and and understand those expectations, but also um, understand that it's a place you come in and enjoy what you do.
2: Ross, what is the the coaching group this year? Uh, The
3: coaching group this year is uh, obviously myself, um, Adam Thompson, uh, Mark Roberts, uh, Stephen Donald, Nick White, and... Oh, Anton Leonard-Brown's helping us out as well.
2: Yeah, Anton Leonard-Brown, actually, that's a a, a good uh, one to get. Where, where's he at, Anton, and and how's he been helping out? Where, where's he out with his fitness as well?
3: Yeah, so Anton's obviously um, been out with a shoulder surgery, and um, he's on his return to play at the moment. Uh, he's targeting hopefully the back end of the round robin, or potentially, um, if we lock in a quarter-final, then uh, that game, but um, at the moment, you know, to keep his kind of, keep himself taking over and, and thinking about footy. he, he I yarned to him and he was pretty keen to kind of jump on and, and do some work with our backs and he's been working on our strikes and um, just just some of our skill acquisition with our backs and, you know, he's, he's grown a lot in the short space of time. I, I kind of saw it to him that it was a great opportunity for him to develop his game and kind of look at the game from a different angle and a different perspective and um, you know, hopefully it, it kind of grows them also during this period. Uh,
2: let's look at uh, the, the leaders. You talked about the great leadership group there. You've added uh, Damien McKenzie back in, uh, to the squad this year. And Damien's uh, performance is quite obvious. He's been uh, very influential. But what about uh, his all-round contribution? Oh,
3: yeah, obviously, Damien, like, he's, he's a world-class human being. Um, You know, he's very, very, always happy, always got a smile on his face, really encouraging of of everyone in the environment and extremely patient with with young players. So, you know, he spends a lot of time with, he spends a lot of time off his own back with with Taha, our young first five, and with Tapia and um, Daniel Sinkinson and some of our younger backs. And he's extremely giving of his time. Um, he's, He's... he's an awesome guy to have in your environment. We're extremely lucky.
2: Obviously, um, whatever advice he's been giving, uh, Taha Kamara has been um, very, very beneficial. Uh, impressive performance last night. This is a kid who's just, what, first year out of Hamilton Boys High? Yeah, yeah, Taha
3: actually... He's, he's, quite, he's quite, you know, he's mature beyond his years. Uh, he's pretty measured and, and, and really diligent in his training. Um, he's fairly quiet, but I think, you know... The, the, couple of times that him and I have had, had discussions around how the year's going and he said he's just kind of sitting back and soaking it all in um, we've tried not to place a, a, an enormous amount of pressure on him as a young first five and we want him to enter um, professional rugby and, and not feel like he has to control everything and, and more just have an opportunity to learn um, so we've, we've set up a, a space for him to be able to do that and, and he seems to be thriving so we're really happy with
2: how he's coming on. And of course, uh, it's a great illustration of a, a pathway from Hamilton Boys High. Of course, they've just been crowned a champion secondary school again um, in New Zealand. So a wealth of talent coming through from that school in particular. But in particular, also um, around the Waikato region, you've, you've got some seriously good rugby talent coming through.
3: Yeah, I mean, part of part of. Um, you know, my job, I, I believe, is to make sure that we we have pathways for guys, you know, coming out of school in the local region, but also at a club and, and guys like Daniel Simkinson, um Spike Cook, Savage, um, Patrick McCarran, um, having the opportunity to to kind of push through and, and um, be able to play. Is you know Solomon Tukowu, who's another one, Peter Unaiasu, uh, another person who was playing Division One. Um, you know. Footy, which is you know not not even premier footy, he's come through and he's starting to make a fist of his opportunities. So, you know, I'm, I'm I'm happy to look e- anywhere. I think within our region, there's there's a lot of rugby players that sometimes they don't go the conventional way through academies, and you know, I, that for me, that doesn't really matter. It's it's if they have the right character and, and they're willing to learn and, and want to challenge themselves to get better every day, and obviously a good human being. I think that's that's an important thing
2: for me. You've given up the fewest points this season, with um, only conceding 113, which is quite remarkable. Uh, what's what's been the secret to the defensive pattern?
3: Um, well, it was kind of you know I, I guess last year's title um, was built on 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 defence, and then um, you, you were saying you know against Tasman last year we we didn't actually construct very much, but we were able to pick up two tries just through um, pressure of skill set and that that eventually got us home. It's been a continuation of that, I think, this year, um, which has been really awesome as Adam Thompson's taken over the defence portfolio with Mark Roberts and the two of them uh, um, are growing a real culture amongst the team around, around um, our defensive side of the game and, and you know, they're doing a fantastic job. He's, he's Added a couple of new things to to really elevate how how we've, we're operating as a team, and um, the boys are really bought in, and they just it's, it's really cool because they just live and breathe it each week. So, um, you know, so it's it's it's, it's been an exciting it's, it's been exciting watching it progress and and, and develop.
2: Ross, what about the competition structure this year? Obviously, it would appear it's uh, it's been favourable to you because of the results that you've been able to achieve. But uh, they've been searching uh, New Zealand rugby have, have tried a number of formats for this uh, this NPC. Is, does this one take your fancy? You like this one, the, the odds and evens concept?
3: Yeah, I don't mind the odds and evens concept. Um, you know, I think it's it's good. All of us competing for the one trophy. I think that's cool. Um, we kind of I know it's a bit of a hark back to older competition models, but um I think I think it's good that everyone's in the same in the same comp and it's it's far easier for the fans to watch. I don't know about the Storm Weeks, I still think that they kind of contradict uh, conversations around player player welfare. Um so you know, I could I'd probably pass on those, if I'm being honest. But that's my own opinion. Um, likewise with the water breaks, I, I don't I don't understand those, but um, you know it, it, it's a complete contradiction to the other the other things that they talk about around player welfare. But you know this is what we're working with this year, so I think it's definitely a better model than previous years.
2: Uh, Ross, okay, you're in the middle of a, a storm week, as such, because um, you pack your bags pretty soon and uh, head to. Um, Dunedin uh, against uh, Otago, so that'll be a challenge. But you've managed to able uh, to manipulate your squad. I mean, last night's uh, side was uh, from the outside looking in was quite. Uh, I won't say experimental, but there was some some changes there, which which gives you an opportunity, I guess, uh, to uh, reintroduce some more senior members to the squad. So I guess it's a case of finding that balance and staying relatively injury free.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously navigating this storm week, particularly when it's kind of almost two thirds throughout round robin um, we had to kind of think about that very carefully coming into the competition and how we were going to manage that week Um, the important thing for us was making sure in those first three to four weeks that we gave everyone access to rugby so that no one was, when we do rotate throughout the course of the storm week um, people had 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 footy and no one was coming in fresh, and had been sitting there for um, five or six weeks without getting any game time. So, I mean, we've kind of been rotating our squad the whole way through um, to make sure that everyone's physically up to it, and and on top of on top of all the content as well. So, uh, it's always been like one large storm week because we've intentionally kept rotating. We've had a number of players that have been kind of sitting in the same positions, but. There has been a lot of rotation, particularly through our locks, front rowers, next um, forwards, and some of our some of our some of our backs. Models.
2: Uh, Ross, you've then got uh, Wellington and Bay of Plenty to finish off the, the round robin side of things. Uh, if we look back on the season so far, has there been one performance for you that's been a standout, a key performance in, in terms of your season? Um.
3: I think last week against Auckland was a, was a big, um, a big stake in the ground for us as a team. Um, we've been working on some things around um, our attack that we've kind of been plunking along, um, and we've been getting a lot of gain off our off our defence. So uh, I think against Auckland last week was for us was a, a real big breakthrough for us as a team, and um, to obviously win it home for the first time since 2013. Was also another huge um, achievement for us as a group, um, and then you know to be able to beat Auckland for the first time since 2017, being uh, yeah, mean, able to put that put that one put that one down was, I think the, the, the team took a lot of confidence um, from that, and so you know we understand that nothing's it's given, everything has to be earned, and we've just got to focus on one day at a time. But that's a really good marker for us to kind of the next few weeks off and going forward. We understand that Wellington and Bay of Plenty are going to be really difficult prospects, but we're also under no illusion that going down to Dunedin under the roof is, is a very tough ask. And, and quite often teams can go down there and um, going to be bamboozled by being inside, you know, <laughs> and, and yeah. can, can start to play uncharacteristically. So we're making sure that we have a very really urgent approach to this game. It's really important. Adam Thompson's obviously really up for this game, um, with it being his old, his old club. So um, he's leaving no stone unturned.
2: Ross, he had a, prestigious, a very long, a prestigious playing career. Uh, second season as uh, head coach of uh, Waikato. Um, obviously, you know, you've you found a nice formula and you're enjoying the role. And do you see that um, in terms of aspirations being your pathway at the moment as a rugby coach, perhaps in New Zealand or even overseas?
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess I've been coaching, in and out of coaching since 2015. So, it's, you know, I'm in my seventh year now. I was able to go over to Japan for a couple of years and, um, you know, try my hand at professional coaching. In you know in, in 2017 and um, that was a really good learning curve for me. You know I was I made some mistakes, got some things right, but I was able to kind of discover who I was as a coach. Which you know it kind of sounds a little bit eerie, fairy but without being in the, the spotlight of New Zealand, or well, the New Ze- under the New Zealand spotlight, I think it was a really good process for me to go through, um, and then be able to come back into New Zealand and then just slowly make my way into NPC. I've really focused on making sure I have a good foundation and coaching and, and not trying to rush to get to the, um, to the next level. Um, so some, some guys, I think, there's been a number of players that have kind of jumped straight in and then, you know, for whatever reason, have been sped out the other side. And For me, it's, it's, it's just making sure that I really understand who I am so that when you go to that next level... You're confident within your own ability, and and you're able to build a good rapport with your not only your stakeholders and and, and upper management, but definitely your players.
2: Ross, just finally, um, Thursday night test match is very unusual, but we've got one tonight. What are you expecting um, from the All Blacks Wallabies tonight?
3: I don't know. It's a hard one to pick. We were talking about this the other day, um, like. Of course, I want to see the All Blacks um, win. Uh, but, I, you know, Renz is a crafty crafty bugger, and I'm sure he will be would have been sitting there dissecting the All Blacks' game plan, trying to, trying to find some, um, some some chinks in their armour. So it's going to be a really interesting watch, I think, if, if the um, All Blacks are able to operate with the same intensity in their carry and at the breakdown like they did in the previous Argentinian game it'll it'll be a, a tough night for Australia. likewise if, if Australia are able to, to to slow slow the all backs ball and and then potentially you know, I, I think you might see some a lot of technical kicking tonight. They'll be trying to put the back three under the pump. Um that's that's where I reckon Wins would go if he just been looking at uh the most recent all back games.
2: Ross Filippo, was great. Great to catch up with you. Um, congratulations on your season so far, uh, from your point of view, Long continue and uh, it's uh, it's been very impressive. Th- and thanks for your time this morning, Ross. Uh, travel well down to Dunedin. Play well.
3: Awesome, thank you, Smithy. It's great to talk to you again, mate. Appreciate
2: it. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, uh, Ross Filippo, uh, their head coach of Waikato, and are they on a roll or what? They are a fantastic NPC side, extremely well coached, uh, very measured. You can hear from uh, Ross's voice there that. He's uh, taking it step by step along the way, taking nothing for granted. That's a good side. And the reintroduction of uh, Damian McKenzie into that and perhaps Anton Leonard-Brown towards playoff time uh, is only going to uh, add to that as well. 9.23 here on SENZ.
1: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Yes, well, uh, the Black Caps, of course, are back after that, um, well, unfortunate tour of... Uh, Brief tour of Australia for the Chapel Hadley, but uh, the women are on tour as we speak. Um, the White Ferns and Darren Antigua for a series against the, the West Indies. And uh, Georgia Plummer, 18-year-old Georgia Plummer, um, had a, a little bit interview with the, the media after their second training session at the Sir Vivian Richards Stadium. This is what she had to say.
4: Cool, Georgia Plummer, uh, second official tour with the White Ferns, and a pretty epic place to be. How have you settled into Antigua so far?
5: Uh, I think really good. It is very hot compared to New Zealand, but I think get, being here for a couple of days before and getting used to the climate's been really good. And the outfit, outfield, and wickets here, just getting used to those in the last couple of days. But yeah, getting into it.
4: Have you ever experienced this kind of heat on a cricket tour before?
5: Never, never. Not Nothing beats like in New Zealand summer where it's about 25 degrees, but here it's just a little bit hotter, but I think I've adapted quite well now.
4: Yeah, and speaking of adapting, it's been a long bit of travel, a bit of jet lag, a bit of heat. How do you kind of manage that as a cricketer so you're ready for game day on Friday?
5: I think it's just being smart with what you're doing and when you're relaxing, like not spending too much time out in the sun, getting a bed at, good times and trying to sleep for as long as possible to try and get back into the the new clock that you're going to be used to.
4: And how are you enjoying being part of this White Fern set up? You're a part of a, a young group that have come in. What's it like for you you know touring with the likes of Susie and Sophie? How good is that for your development?
5: Oh it's amazing like I get along so well with the with the younger ones but I think the special thing about this team is that everyone gets along no matter how long they've been in the team they've all welcomed us younger ones in really well and it just feels like you're part of the team.
4: Uh, conditions in the West Indies, pretty dry, uh, conducive batting. How exciting is that for you as a, as a you know, top-order batter looking to kind of make your mark?
5: Yeah, definitely. I think with these wickets, they'll probably stay a bit slow, so it's just making sure you're weighing on that shot. But out on the centre wicket, I think the ball's coming on quite nicely, so very excited to see how this, the batting goes in, in the games.
4: Um, You were part of that World Cup squad um, coming in late obviously that lost to the West Indies at the World Cup. What do you expect from them um, here in their own backyard?
5: I think they're going to play with so much flair and be able to take what's coming from the the crowd and put it into their own game. I think they always play with a smile on their face and always enjoying it so I think it's just trying to get over that and just play a bit of of cricket because they're definitely a really, really good side.
4: Um, spent a lot of time out in the middle today uh, a lot of time working with Sarah McGlashan, um, tell us about what, what that was like.
5: Yeah definitely I think working with Sarah she's had that experience playing for the White Ferns and other teams like that so I think just trying to sponge up as much as she's got and what she thinks is good for me and just taking, what, taking everything on board and picking which parts I think will make my game better.
4: And finally, um, what are your kind of objectives for the tour? Your second tour? What are you looking to really get out of it? Are there sort of a run target or anything like that for you?
5: I think I'm definitely trying to have a more mature game, be able to stay out there for a little, little longer, and just take good decisions. So I think being, being around the likes of like Sophie and Susie have done it a lot, and just trying to learn off as much as them and get my game better.
2: Sounds mature, doesn't she? For an 18-year-old uh, youngster, Georgia Plummer, who was uh, on her first big tour as such, he has uh, been part of the Commonwealth Games squad ex- uh, especially as well, uh, and part of the World Cup squad, didn't get any action but has uh, been learning and uh, taking it all in like a sponge apparently so um, yeah, we'll look forward to uh, that tour, kicking off very shortly uh, all the games are actually at that stadium in Antica uh, we will open up the lines very shortly and uh, those people that missed out yesterday love you to call back and have a crack maybe about the cricket. If you still uh, want to vent about the cricket, I'd certainly uh, happy to talk about that. Also, uh, predictions for tonight. The All Blacks against the Wallabies, 9.45 kick-off. You've seen the two sides now. What are you expecting in, uh, from the All Blacks in particular? 9.32 here on SENZ and it's time for Araha and the News.
1: 1476 am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport.
5: Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. 9.34
2: 9.34 here on SENZ, and yes, uh, the lines are open, 800 150 Thursday night, international rugby, the All Blacks. It's like a midweek game when they're away, but this is a really serious test match tonight. Bledisloe Cup up for grabs, of course, uh, and places in the All Blacks, I guess, going forward too. Really important game, as they all are, but this one in particular, away you kind of sense when they get to Eden Park, they haven't got much hope at all. Australia, if history is to repeat itself. So this is all of a sudden hugely important for Dave Rennie and his squad too. Uh, Kerry, Kerry from Manawatu, good morning to you.
6: Yeah, morning Smuddy, how are you? Welcome back.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Kerry. Nice to be home.
6: Um, yeah, no, it's uh, looking forward to the night, actually. There are a few more bears under the belt than a normal Thursday night, but... Uh, Got an early start this morning to get a few extra jobs done today, so could be a bit slower tomorrow. But I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be a good game. Um, I think it'll be close, personally, only because it's in Melbourne, the first one. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it could come down to Eden Park, but I don't. Yeah, he's got great names in the Aussie team is there?
2: No, it's an interesting side, actually. Uh, there are, you know, the names that you know, but not names you know as being great wallabies at this point. So that, that's interesting for me. And in terms of the All Blacks, though, uh, Kerry, one of the, uh, the talking points will be around uh, Hoskins Satutu filling in the massive shoes or massive boots, uh, as you say, uh, of uh, Adi Savia who has been the standout game after game. So big night for Satutu. Oh, huge night for
6: him. Uh, I, I think he'll he'll have to grab it by the horns too otherwise um, you know he's going to be um, back playing uh, NPC um, I think the other one is that needs a big game is uh Geordie Barrett he's sort of just stayed on the level in my view and hasn't done anything I and mean, you know who who is our ex factor all black at the moment it's hard to name
2: yeah, it's hard to name one. I guess uh, when Rico Iwani is on, he's X Factor. Um, he has been amazing when he's uh, when he's been there and, and on. Uh, but are we getting the best out of Will Jordan, do you feel?
6: Well oh, no, probably not, no. Um, yeah, there's, there's a few examples here, But isn't it ironic 20 years ago how you used to sit down for a Blasso Cup game and didn't really know which way it was going to go. In the last 19, we sort of have known which way it's going to go. Um, and it was always edge of the seat. Tests. Um, yeah, you were struggling to go and get another beer twenty years ago, but nowadays you can take your time.
2: You can, Kerry. Uh I'm with you. Uh, I'm not sure I'll be having the beers, but I'll certainly be up and watching it uh, live tonight. I, I can't. Uh, I can't actually wait for it. Uh, thank you, mate. Uh, and enjoy the game, Zade. G'day, Zade. Uh, Zade from Auckland, one of our uh, station's great friends. Morning to you, mate.
7: Good morning. I want to get on to the cricket first, and then I'll talk about the rugby. Um, that second yep. test match, we were blocking the ball up. It was a block taller. Um, just couldn't hit anything. Um, one of the worstest games I've ever seen. I don't know. You could play a fifty over test match. We absolutely felt like a roll of cans. A row, a row of cans were disgusting. Um, Cam Green in that first game was cramping up like Mark Richardson. Um, that day he cramped. I'm pretty sure you called the commentary and. Um, was getting a full massage. He was kind of taking the, the piss a bit. Um, yeah, and that was annoying me a bit. But bolt was in, was our best player in all three matches by far, but it just sucks. Mm. The uh, batters w- couldn't um, back it up. No 50s in three test matches in three one days doesn't help you, and Aussie had a 50 in every game, um, so that was the difference between us and them was their batting. Obviously, Steve Smith and even in the last game had a big um, partnership, and they all they always um, got runs when they needed them in all three games. Um, On to the All Blacks tonight. I'm not really sure about the game. Uh, like, I don't know what you're thinking around the margin tonight. Like, Do you think it's going to be a 13-plus or a 12-and-under game? Um, obviously, Aussies' backline's not the best. You've got Callaway, Beatty, um <clears throat> Bernard Foley, um, Jake Gordon. So it's pretty, pretty inexperienced backline. Um, that Pete Samu is quite a good player for Australia, though. And I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. see how Hoskins Tatuzu does tonight off the um, starting. Um, good to see Scott Barrett at six because it gives um, spots for Kira Ioane and Dalton Papali off the bench. So probably Scott Barrett will pay the full 80 because he'll probably go into lock. And um, he'll probably go into lock because he will replace one of the locks that probably come off. Probably either italic or white lock. So I think that's quite a good role. Um, and I'm interested to see how Mo- Richie Mwanga does again. I reckon Caleb Clark's gonna have a good game tonight, and um, he hasn't been um, he hasn't been playing his best for a while. But I reckon um, hopefully Will Jordan can go well tonight, and Rico and Javier can um, <clears throat> keep on being our consistent number 12 and 13 for the All Blacks because I think they're looking at a pretty good partnership, and obviously Antoine Brown's not too far away, and um, yeah. <laughs>
2: well Zayd, you've summed up both codes beautifully from my point of view I I haven't got much to add to that because everything that uh, you've uh, seen in the cricket and you're right um, about Cam Green and the massaging and that and uh, most of the commentators thought that that was just stretching it a wee bit too far um, taking five minutes out of the game at such a key point Uh, they didn't run with that at all the Aussie commentators they thought it was pretty rough Uh, but Zade you've picked up on a number of points we can look out for tonight as well Bruce Morning, Bruce from Christchurch.
8: Uh, Smithy, good to talk, mate. Been a while. Um, I
7: felt
2: yep.
8: really, really sorry. Well, I felt I felt for you, mate, over in that cricket in Australia <laughs> when um, when the Black Caps um, couldn't go on with it. You might say they had opportunities in all games. When did we start? When did we develop to be the nice guys in sport and cricket? Because uh, uh, from my point of view, you play fair, but you play hard. And it's something that's sort of developed. Maybe it's because it's come under Kane since he's been captain. But I'm curious about it. Sometimes you need just a bit of mongrel to put the knife in and actually finish the job off. Secondly, when I saw they were playing up in Kins on a big pitch, that's fine, but it was a holding pitch. I thought, here we go is traditionally what New Zealand used to provide and we used to we used to beat other teams that weren't used to playing a holding pitch where the ball didn't come on and so I think we, we should have known how to play on it and we, we definitely missed an opportunity there because Australia, I mean was that good planning by them or what? Because normally they like a hard, bouncy pitch So
2: Well, that, yeah, that's a- interesting point. thoughts that well, well, they went to Townsville, didn't they? And they lost to Zimbabwe on a very holding pitch as well. So in the north of Queensland at this time of the year, uh, even though it's uh, a lot warmer up there, they, uh, the substance of the pitches was, was not traditional Australian. You've picked up on it It's a very good point, Bruce. And when I saw uh, the, the speed of the pitch um, and just the the way the ball was reacting, I thought, hello, this is right up our alley. But in the end, it wasn't, mate.
8: Oh, just... They, I don't know. I, they've got to, they've got to that, get that killer punch in them. As far as I can see, forget being the nice guys all the time. And the, that, that's the difference. That's that five percent where you you take get over the line.
2: Totally agree. Absolutely uh, fantastic point uh, that you made uh, there, Bruce. And you're right we just don't and of course we saw in the test matches against England as well we got ourselves into winning positions in all three test matches and could not get the job done when it really mattered so there are issues there in terms of that killer punch that we're looking for and as far as the nice guys you're right um, we tend to be everyone's favorite second team around the world uh, we, we you know wherever you go they support their home side and we're the next best team as far as they're concerned because we're so damn nice um, interesting. Uh, Dino, Dino, you going to be nice today or what?
9: I'm always nice, mate. I'm definitely not um, sort of going to say it's good to have your bag or anything. I'd love to go on a donut trip to Christchurch and watch your cricket team just, whatever they call that, I don't know. I didn't want, I mean, I listened to it, Smithy, honest truth, and I knew that we're just going to all fold. I don't, understand, I don't know enough about cricket really to comment, but when you go to the West Indies and do something we haven't done before, and then you change things to regard to Australia, justifies logic. What was the point in going to the West Indies? They played a 50-over test series over there, or whatever they call it. And they got ready for Australia. And then they're going to change the whole team around, put Kane Williamson back in. It shouldn't even be playing 50-over cricket. Like I'd rather paint a wall than listen to the commentary on the radio of him putting dot balls there. He'd like, get Mayor of Dunedin putting dots on the street. It's how ridiculous it is. Like, who wants to watch that? Nobody. But I didn't want to... Off. MP City, for me, throws up yeah. something all the time. Now, if, normally it's players that I look for, and I love that young fella Thompson playing hooker for Hawks Bay. Like The Hollanders don't grab him and give him a starting jersey. They shouldn't be in the competition. It's that simple. He's too good to be reserved to Tokioho at the Chiefs. So, Roger, get on the bloody blur. Offer him some decent coin and let him start for us because we haven't got anyone. But one thing that I think is obvious, and it's with Waikato and Canterbury, as they have a couple of old buggers in there just showing their young fellas what to do, when to do, and they, now they talk about this leadership group. There's 15 coaches, and now there's a leadership group of 10 in every team. There's just too many in the All Blacks. There's too many old guys. Like That's how I see it. And for me, this test tonight, if the All Blacks can't put... A decent number around Australia. That's the worst Australian team I've seen named in 10 years. I feel sorry for Dave Rennie. He wants to go well. He's just got too many out.
2: Mm. I think you're right. I look, at that, um, I look at that and I think if we are at all efficient tonight, then we're going to blow some of these, uh, this Australian side out of the water when it comes to the second half. I just don't see any X-factor in their back line, perhaps with the exception of Betty. Uh, but he's got to get front football, And I, I think you've picked up on it. I, I, I'm with you. I'm 13-plus all the way, and maybe more. 13-plus all the way tonight. And I'm very, very bullish about that. Joey. Morning, Joey, from Auckland.
10: Yeah, g'day. Smitty. Look, yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I, you know, this is a, a test that we should win quite comfortably, comfortably if we're going to go, go uh, forward and heaps and bounds. But you just don't know what Aussie's going to bring to you. You know, they've got a They've got a, um, a new uh, loose forward trio. They haven't got Hooper, which is good because he, he's very good over the ball. But, um, yeah, we should be able to, to tell these guys up. But I'm just a little bit worried whether, you know, they, they'll, they'll come out firing like they do for the first 20. And then after that, I think they'll fall away. And, and, and we, should, we should nail them easily. You know, but, somebody I still can't work out why... If this is the case and this is what we're thinking, you, Dean, me, other guys... We, we, or other people in New Zealand are thinking, why aren't they resting some of the the players like like um the captain and a few others and giving these other guys a go? Because these guys like Papali and that they will, not just Finn but other players, Will Jordan and they'll, they'll turn around and take the the money overseas. They'll go, well, I'm I'm only getting fifteen minutes in an All back jersey. Don't get me wrong, it's, everyone wants to be an All back. Every kid wants to be an All back. But at the same token, they're going. Well, I'm not getting enough game time here. Um, you know, Aussies should be a side where we should be able to change three or four players, like um, Will Jordan, to fall back and and mm. uh, and and give a couple of players a rest. And, and we're not. We're still not doing that. I mean, I don't know what you think, but I just think it's, it's strange.
2: Well, I, I think that. Uh... For a start, he he would not have um, he'd have been aware that Dave Rennie was going to make some changes, but he, he probably uh, Ian Foster might not have been aware to uh, exactly what extent. The other thing is, um, <laughs> mate, it was only two weeks ago we were wanting um, everyone was wanting to sack the guy and, and, and get rid of him because uh, his record was poor, his side was playing poorly. Uh, this is you know when we lost to Argentina and Christchurch after having his position reaffirmed by New Zealand Rugby still. Um, there was doubt over it so he's just desperate to win Ian Foster and he's going to play his best side until he gets um, into a situation where he feels comfortable that he's got combinations uh, and the fact that he's starting to build up his win ratio that's the way I see it so he's going to continue to play his best players at every opportunity and after the hammering he took from everybody I'm not sure you can blame him for that it's 9.48 and thanks very much for your calls a number of texts in from yesterday as well Um, But uh, Matt is a a little bit more concerned than some of us, it it seems. He says, I'm worried about the general mood that uh, the All Blacks are going to run riot and that the last performance has reset all the fragilities we've uh, seen this year and that they are just a forgettable memory. But, big but, I just don't think they've earned that yet. The Wallabies would be 100% thinking this is their chance to regain the Bledisloe. If uh, I were a Wallaby fan, I'd be thinking that. All I'm saying is let's not get ahead of ourselves. That's Matt from Blenheim. Very um, reserved and considered approach there. Uh, another text to say, come in, uh, Hi Ian. Any updates on the Black Cap squad for T20 World Cup? Well, the T20 World Cup squad I'm led to believe will be named next
1: Tuesday. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Right, uh, multi for today. The All Blacks 13 plus against Australia. I'm pretty bullish. Um, I, Taken into account a number of texts, but yeah, sure. Uh, All Blacks 13 plus against Australia. That's a buck 87. Uh, the New York Mets this afternoon to beat the Chicago Cubs in Major League Baseball. It's a dollar 50. And there's a football match, a uh, Brazilian Cup football match uh, this afternoon as well. Flamengo to beat Sao Paulo at a dollar 45. That multi's up at four dollars and six. Incidentally, yesterday's one went west. This morning when Chelsea blew a 1-0 lead against Salzburg um, and that ended in a draw so we just missed out there but $4.06 today All Blacks 13+, the Mets into Flamingo and uh, we'll be talking to Greg Murphy motor racing legend after the news.
1: Nothing gets past Smithy This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ Start your, your engines. It's the Midas Service Session with Greg Murphy.
11: Trust the team at Midas for your next
0: car service.
2: Yeah, well, last weekend, uh, supercars said goodbye to Pukekohe Park, but uh, not without one last great moment for Kiwi Motorsport after Shane Van Gisbergen snatched his seventh and final ever victory at the iconic venue. And it's time now for the Midas Service Session With Greg Murphy, where we look at what's uh, going on in the world of Kiwi Motorsport. Uh, Welcome into the show, Murph.
12: Hey, g'day, Smithy. Thanks, mate. Good to be here.
2: (laughs) Yeah, good to be here. Not so good to uh, leave Pukekoe Park uh, at the weekend, though, and know it's uh, for the last time for motor racing. Uh, What were your emotions, mate? It's been part of your history, too.
12: Oh, massive. Massively. Um, I mean, a hell of a send off. What an incredible send off for the venue. Uh, the crowd was uh, phenomenal. I, I mean, I don't know numbers, but um, surely it's got to be, you know, up there with the all-time biggest crowd we've had. Um, the vibe, the, you know, just the everything about it. Um, the weather, I can't believe how good the weather was. Uh, it just uh, went off perfectly, and then we had a a fairy tale finish as well with um, Shane achieving what he did. Um, you know, I was I, I was very happy to be actually competing as well and driving and having a a play in a. A uh, historic touring car there, which was uh, very fitting considering it was the first touring car I ever drove at Pukekohe, um, and uh, and likely the last one. So there was just a lot, so many pieces of the of the whole weekend that um, really came together as they should, and, and the celebration of the place was 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 just perfect. So and it, it does just make us all think, how can this be happening? You know, considering you know the enjoyment level, the the fan engagement, the popularity of the sport. Um, you know, we're 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 not gonna be able to go and enjoy it there anymore. It's uh it is it's, it's it's a lot to take in and I think it'll be taking a long time to actually sink into everybody and uh the uh, for it to become reality.
2: Yeah, I mean there was a a great deal of romance about it and I, I'm sure that that was one of the reasons there was quite a a decent crowd, in fact a brilliant crowd, but that crowd obviously are genuine motor racing fans as well. Uh, it's just a question of how far, I guess, they're prefer- uh, prepared to travel uh, if they find a new venue. So is Hampton Downs the viable long-term uh, solution? What, uh, about an hour south of there?
12: Well, I mean, as the crow flies from Pukakoe, it's you know, it's only probably another, you know, it's about 20 kilometres. I mean, if you stay on the motorway, it's probably only another 10 minutes down the road, really, so from, mm. from where Pukakoe is. So the access to Hampton is, is very good. It's easy. Uh, on the motorway there's there's been all sorts of you know innuendo and rumor and, and you know people's opinions about that and, and the traffic and all this kind of stuff but when I mean, you think where Pocacola is and trying to get all those people in there it seems to work not too bad Yeah, you know, there's a few hold-ups and bits and pieces but you know proper traffic management plan at Pocacola it would be even easier I um, sorry at, Ham- at Highland Hampton it would be even easier and and it's the venue that is would um, support and, and provide what supercars needs, Without question, I mean it's it's everything is there that we that we need for a successful event. Um, I've been a pro that for a very long time, and, and it was going to actually be there in 2020 uh, when uh, there was a, a bit of a balls up within the uh, uh, Auckland City District Council or council around permission for COE to go ahead on ANZAC weekends, um, and Hampton Down stepped up straight away and was going to be the the venue to take it over. Um, right there and then, so you know, I think it also deserves deserves the opportunity to be to showcase what that venue can be. And I know that the drivers and the teams would love to go there because it's a new venue and um, mm. and the best venue in in New Zealand. So you know, straight up out of the box for next year, I don't see that there's another option. Um, it just uh, it, it just needs to go there. And the population, uh, you know, still access to to uh, accommodation, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's only a, it's not that much further down the road um, on the motorway than you know, than what it is to go to Co. So, you know, I, I don't I don't see too many too many things wrong with it in any way, shape or form.
2: Is Ruapuna Park in Christchurch? Is is that a possibility? I see Shane van Gisbergen himself has put a bit of support behind that idea.
12: <laughs> well, he hasn't really. I mean, he, he he's gone and talked about the circuits as as enjoyment levels as you know um, to, to drive on. And it's been picked up and run with, um, I think, in the wrong way. I mean, it's a, it's a it's an entertaining racetrack to drive on, but at the facility, and the, as a whole, and the safety of of the of the facility is is not anywhere near uh, where it needs to be to be able to get a track license to run supercars. So, and who's going to spend the money there to bring that up to scratch? I mean, it's millions hmm. millions of dollars required to do that. So, you know, I think Shane's uh, comments have been taken a bit out of context, and um, you know, he was just uh, you know. Um, talking about different tracks in New Zealand that um, that would be fun to race a supercar on. Uh, the reality of going to Christchurch down there is is, a, is, is just not even on the radar uh, with the, the lack of lack of facility that's there that uh, could um, you know host a supercar race. You know you've got to, you've got to have uh, a lot in place to do that, and um, I just yeah don't think that is um, um, a uh, an
2: option in any time in
12: the in the near and maybe long term future.
2: Okay so that that leads us back to uh, Hampton Downs. Will would you be confident that when they announce the new schedule for 2023, I think they're doing that during Bathurst week, uh would you uh, be confident that Hampton Downs is up and ready to go on the back of uh, that brilliant weekend in Pukekohe?
12: Oh, it won't take much to to uh to sort that out. Absolutely. It it basically if it gets the nod it, it will be um good to go no matter what time um frame the uh, the calendar has the New Zealand round. It won't it won't be an issue to actually put that in place. So, you know, um, you know the the owners Tony Quinn, um, you know, he he wants to see supercars at his at his, at his venues or venue, and um, you know, will be uh, wanting to work with supercars to to achieve that. So it's it's not it's not really any big issues in that respect. I think the big problem is really comes down to supercars getting the funding. Um, and support from government, local government. Um, you know, Auckland City uh, through Auckland Unlimited has tipped in a lot of money over the years, and um, there's still a requirement for that now. The you know, the catch to it is that out, you know, uh, uh, Hampton Downs falls outside the boundary of of you know Auckland and falls into Waikato. But I mean, it just comes down to really how how people want to look at these things, um, because Auckland is still going to get a massive benefit too. To running at Hampton Down, so there's a lot of things that supercars need to sort out, that, um, uh, which hopefully they are working to. And I mean, and all you've got to do is look at the weekend at Pukekohe, see the response, see the you know um, the fan support, uh, the amount of investment that um, uh, was put into it uh, through lots of people, through the sponsors, also the fan uh, expenditure. I mean, there was there's a, there's a massive economic gain through, through uh, around Pukakui, but also Auckland as well. So let's hope that um, that's still seen as, a, as um, viable and, and um, we can put it all together and make it happen.
2: What would be your um, greatest individual memory yourself of Pukakui Park?
12: Really hard to put it into an individual one, mate. I mean, um, on the weekend, I wasn't um, racing in supercars, but I can tell you, um, watching Shane do what he did there in that last race, um, that will never leave me um, that was uh, an incredible moment to be a part of um, to actually witness to be there to see that and you know I was very fortunate to be able to engage with him straight after he he got out of the car um, and that's that for me is, is right up there I mean um, you know some of the comments he's made in the past about sitting on the grandstand watching me racing you know 20 years ago um, that, that really sits you know uh, very humbling with me and uh, so to have you know, you know I suppose, being a part of his journey a little bit and then to be there at the end to witness that and, and um, see it was, was incredibly special. So, you know, I've, I've been at the both ends of it. I've had uh, race wins there, being, felt the same feeling as he did on Sunday with the crowd and the fans um, by, by having success. And then uh, to, to be a part of that at the end with him as well, um, you know, those are just incredible moments that you'd never want to try and list in order.
2: Right, then uh, let's look at uh, racing perhaps for Greg Murphy going forward, and uh, of course that brings up the subject of uh, Bathurst. Now, Will Brown's car sustained extensive damage at the weekend, that was well publicised, and his Erebus team were to supply you and Richie Stanaway with a car for your wildcard bid, so uh, where are we at with that, Murph?
12: Yeah, listen, I haven't actually gone and engaged with the team. Um, I got some photos sent through yesterday of the car. It's been fully stripped. Uh, it was at the workshop yesterday, fully stripped, and an and assessment was underway. Um, you know, uh, I got a little bit of a word that there's there's quite a lot of positivity, um, but I haven't had, um, you know, a full confirm on that one. So I'm awaiting that, and I'm not going to uh, get in the way of the team or, or Barry Ryan at the moment to find out where we're at. He will let us know as soon as, as possible. Um, you know what the situation is, but but you know they everyone will do whatever they can. They'll move hell and high water to to ensure that um, it, that all uh, stays as planned, and and we uh, we continue on. I mean, it couldn't have been a worst worst case situation uh, to present itself on Sunday. Um, a lot of emotion, obviously, too. A car being very very badly damaged. Um, you know the, the timing of it was just horrid. So um, you know you can understand some of the the uh, emotions that were running around at the time and, and a difficult situation to manage. But, um, you know, they will, they will do everything they can to make sure that that car is uh, repaired for, for Will and, therefore, the, the other car that is sitting there currently in, the, in their workshop with uh, Richie's and my name on it um, will remain as and, and we'll um, continue on with the programme.
2: Let's hope so. I uh, really do. We're, we're so uh, looking forward to your reappearance there. Um, mate, the IndyCar season wrapped up on Monday... Uh, with Aussie Will Power claiming his second title, but uh, following Scott McLaughlin's second season over there, how close do you think he is to challenging uh, next time around? I mean, he had uh, he's just gone oh, from strength yeah. to strength two seasons in. Oh, mega,
12: absolutely mega. He's he's without doubt, um, and agreed with by the commentators there too. He's a he's a dead set uh, championship contender in 2023. Um, his performance this year was, was outstanding. Um, there was a few other results that probably went awry, which every driver can say, but considering, you know, where he finished up in the championship, three race wins, pole positions in that championship and, and stuff, he's just going from strength to strength. And and Penske knows it. And, um, you know, he's re-signed a, a long-term contract. Uh, what a team he's got there. Um, the relationship he's got with Will Power and... Uh, and um, also, Joseph Newgarden is, is amazing. Uh, incredible job by Will Power uh, to, to win his second championship. He's been a, uh, a different driver this year, and it's been awesome to watch because he's a great guy. He wears his heart on his sleeve um, uh, and, and, and drives accordingly that way. So, uh, well done to him because um, he, he very much deserves it. But Penske are very strong, and, and um, you know uh, Scott has immersed himself uh, as, a, as, as a you know long term part of that operation. And, um, you know, he, he, he is going to be winning a lot more races and, and, you know, and why not a championship? Absolutely.
2: What about Scott Senior? How, how long do you think he's got uh, left him, <laughs> uh, in, the, in, the, in the Car level? <laughs> yeah,
12: I, don't know if, I don't know if he'd want to be called that, Smithy, but uh, I know what you're getting <laughs> at. Um, um, considering where he finished the season, you know, fighting for another championship and as competitive as what he's been this year, you know, um, I thought, depending on how he went this season, we might see an announcement, but based on, his, on the speed that he's shown and, and still clearly his desire to, to win, um, who knows how much longer, but it, it, he's certainly going to be going again next year and, and um, you know, winning another Indy 500, maybe another championship, who knows um, what, uh, you know, where his limits lie and, and how long he can still you know, be there performing at that level. But at the moment, it's, it's incredible.
2: Yeah, Murph. Uh, just changing to uh, the World Rally Championship Rally of New Zealand, uh, which is not that far away now. You've been following uh, Shane van Gisbergen's uh, journey in the rally car. Are you confident he could make a serious go of uh, of the the rally side of things?
12: Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Shane can drive anything. He can drive anything incredibly fast and, and with amazing skill, and he's proven that um you know i think it's it's still a it's still a part time kind of enjoyment thing for him very much you know um he's not going to wander off and, and look at doing world rally championship as a as a you know profession um but you know who knows what his program might be moving forward but um i think you know this is a bucket list thing for him to to do the wrc here in new zealand in a wrc2 car and and i think uh you know he obviously adds incredible value to to the rally this year and um, and we're all excited about watching him and how he goes. So, you know, that's only a, uh, was a couple of weeks away, um, mm-hmm. the Ripco Rally New Zealand. So, you know, can't wait for that. And, and I'm sure he can't either.
2: Murph, always great to catch up with you. Uh, thanks very much uh, for your time this morning and uh, those honest reflections on Pukukohe Park. It's um, it's uh, the end of a sad chapter from my point of view. And I, I can't quite understand when you see that, how they can't uh, work something around. But uh, that's life, I guess. We've got to carry on.
12: That is life, mate, and uh, unfortunately money, and, uh, you know, comes before a lot of these things, and um, there's very valuable land out there that uh, clearly, you know, is taking precedence. So, um, yeah, it's one of those things, mate. But uh, anyway, we'll carry on, um, and look forward to catching up next week.
2: Yeah, good on you, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. It's uh, 10.18 here on SENZ.
1: That was the Midas service session with Greg Murphy.
5: Don't let an overdue service cost you more in the long run. See the team at Midas. Big talk, big opinions. The
11: panel.
2: Well, it's panel time, and it's uh, Lavina Good this morning. I always look forward to talking to Lavina Good. David Long will join us uh, as well. Uh, Lavina, let's uh, start on a slightly emotive issue which is not on the schedule of uh, topics that we talked. uh, We sent you this morning but I I would imagine you've uh, had a cursory glance at the story about young Caitlin Moran who is the NRLW star which plays for the Newcastle Knights uh, women's team and has been banned for a social media post following the death of the Queen and also she has uh, copped a 25% Um, deduction from her salary. Are you over this story? This is quite bizarre.
11: Yeah, it's crazy for me. I think, you know, rugby league is a a very, very funny world sometimes. I'm so excited about the finals happening, but you've got a player by the name of Mitch Moses that's just been knocked out and probably shouldn't play rugby league for the next six months that will play against the Raiders tomorrow night. And then you've got an NRL uh, female player that puts something on social media that cops a ban and a fine and also has to pay money because something that she did in the realms of her own private property. And I I just think it's a crazy world and there's no consistency with decisions like that. And, you know, if if you check out some social media posts that some of the NRL male players have put on over the years, there could be plenty of fines settled and sent out that way. So I think it's unfair and not just. And, you know, they're trying to uh, put her on a, a pedestal and drag her right down as an example. And it just seems ridiculous to me. There's no consistency with decisions like that. and I, And I feel for her... I really do. And the other thing it does, Smitty, which is really interesting, it draws attention to the social media posts. And isn't it meant to do the opposite? Like, if they're displeased with it, they have a private conversation and say, you shouldn't have done that. We don't appreciate it. It's bringing the sport into disrepute. I mean, it's not like she's playing with puppy dogs at 4 o'clock in the morning after a grand final on her lap. She's not doing that, that's for sure. But the discussion could have been had with her privately, but instead... Uh, The media are involved, and now everyone wants to check out the social media posts, and it actually works in opposite to what they would hope to achieve. So yeah, very, very much a lack of consistency, and I'm not surprised because that is the world of rugby league sometimes to me.
2: We'll we'll come back to uh, rugby league in a a second, uh, Lavina. But uh, it's a good morning to uh, David Long. And David, Thursday night, uh, the All Blacks against the Wallabies. Uh, It's a bit hard to get your head around that in terms of timing. What are you expecting tonight?
13: Yeah, hi there. Um, Yeah, I, I, I expect in a pretty close contest, really. I mean, uh, I have no idea who's going to win, really. I mean, logic sort of says you always you always put the All Blacks when they're playing the Wallabies, but um, such has been the Rugby Championship this year that I don't think you can really sort of um, you know pick any side with any confidence because everybody's so so up and up and down, really. But I, I imagine it's going to be pretty physical and. Um, um, you know, a pretty intense battle in the forwards, but the winner, I I, I think
2: anyone's guessing if they really sort of strongly pick the All Blacks. Okay, Uh, Lavina, are you confident about tonight?
11: I'm really looking forward to it. I know that much. I mean, I know the pressure's obviously on the All Blacks to put the back-to-back wins together. I mean, it's crazy to think that two weeks ago we're all saying get rid of Fozzie and then the whole country wanted him gone and then all of a sudden you beat Argentina by 50 points and all is forgiven. (laughs) But I'm sure in the back of his mind what he really, really needs is consistent performances and, and it'll be played in Australia. The odds are looking pretty good for the All Blacks with the victory. But, you know, Dave Rennie has made those eight changes including bringing in Bernard Foley who's 33 years of age and hasn't been part of this this Australian Wallabies realm for almost three years. So there's the unknown coming from the Wallabies. The back line's looking pretty average, but I like what they've done with the Rebels' Lucy's. They're they're really good ball carriers, and that might confuse Mm. the All Blacks um, a little bit. But I wouldn't be surprised if if the All Blacks did put in those back-to-back victories, because Australia did not impress me at all against South Africa. I don't think they've got what it takes to take down... Um, a New Zealand side, either if it's at the top of its game or not. But I feel for Fozzie, and I feel as though if they could put those back-to-back wins together, it might silence those critics a little bit. I know he's got the backing of the rugby union. He certainly does not, at this stage, have the backing of the country, and a victory against the Wallabies would certainly help with that backing and support for him.
2: Well, I'm quite confident uh, that I think the All Blacks will get it done and and get it done reasonably well tonight as well. But, uh, David, I wish I was as confident... Uh, when the New Zealand cricket team fronted up against um, Australia, I'm sorry I've lost all confidence now and it doesn't matter where, whether it's New Zealand or Australia, we can't beat them
13: No, that's right I I, I mean, obviously Hilo cricket a hell of a lot more than me but I just wondered, it seems to be a while that sort of um, uh, the Black Caps have been in a bit of a lull, you know they have have the odds win but it it seems to be for, um, you know, I think back to the, um, the test series this year against England where it was it was, um, you know, they lost that. It's, it's been a while now. I, think, I mean, when was the last series when you come away from it and thinking how fantastic was that for the Black Caps? I'm not
2: sure. Mm. Was well, probably the yeah. T20 World Cup where we made the final but got beaten by Australia. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and I, I yeah. get where you're coming from there, uh, David. It's been a long, long time for a side that is supposedly rated number one in the world, and 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 they keep saying that we're the number one team in the world. I can't see that. I just don't see that. Yeah, reckon, that's right.
11: I mean, uh, oh, sorry, No, no, sorry, David. I just wanted to quickly pipe in. They need to develop their mongrel. That's what the Black Caps need. They need some mongrel. Mm-hmm. They need to be considered as one of the fiercest teams in the world, not just number one as Mr Nice Guy. Like some mongrel, you know? And if you're going to play a match against Australia over a few a few matches and no one's going to score 50 runs, it's not going to win. Trent Holt was outstanding. So he was great to see him, but he was standing alone. Someone has to come in, and it would have been great if McCullen could have done it. Come in and develop some mongrel in that side, you know. If you want to be the best and and um, be the fiery best, be the ones that develop and earn respect through the way you're putting in performances. Don't be the softies, because that, that doesn't cut with me anymore. I, I need I need more from the Black Taps, and I expect more from the Black Taps.
2: Well, Lavina, actually, um, that brings me to a good point because he may well be in uh, the next door neighbour uh, to you. you. You obviously live on the Golden Mile there in the Mount, but. I would be thinking that um, people are starting to look at Kane Williamson and saying there's not a lot of mongrel about Kane. Do we need perhaps a change of leadership?
11: I'm I'm pleased with Kane Williamson's leadership. I think he has earned so much respect from his players. And as you know, Smitty, a leader is only as good as their followers, and and he has followers. I don't have any um, an area of concern with his uh, leadership, but I would like to see some some form of area of confidence coming into the the Black Caps, um culture. Whereas, you know, they were named as number one team in the world. They can go over to the West Indies and, and play remarkably well. And, you know, we, we know what they're capable of. They just need to have more faith within what they can do. I'm happy with Payne um, Williamson. And I know a lot of people and critics of change is becoming, I don't like to use the term boring, but almost a predictable player. But he'll stay at the crease if you need him to. And he can score those runs, which is great. And he has the respect of the players. I don't think it's through his leadership. I think it's through the whole culture of the whole team. And someone has to come in. It doesn't have to be a new skipper. But someone has to come in and say, let's get a bit spicy. Let's start backing ourselves and prove to the world why we could be considered number one in the world. And if we're going to do it, let's do it impressively. I need to see more of that from the Black Caps.
2: Cool, okay, Lavina Good is with us this morning So is David Long, we'll take a short uh, break for the news And when we come back, uh, there's uh, Super Rugby to talk about Can Japan Save It? Uh, the NRL Finals coming up uh, And a little bit about Pukekohe Park as well More to come here on the panel very shortly
5: The Opinions, the panel talk, talk, talk to me,
0: yeah.
2: Lavina Good is with us this morning, and uh, David Long is as well, and David, you wrote an article about uh, Pukekohe Park, and quite a sad weekend in, in terms of reflections, some great motor racing action, but uh, at the end of the day, everyone walked away from it for the last time.
13: Yeah, they did. I mean, they all walked away with a smile on their faces, thanks to an incredible finish from Shane Gisbergen but, um, you know, with no real idea about where, where supercars go from here. Um, Auckland Unlimited, which is part of the auckland council which paid 1.7 million for for the event to happen this year um they're not saying anything um supercars they're not saying anything other than they want it here and we really we're left with a lot of question marks about where supercars goes in new zealand from here there's clearly the demand for it uh, the fact that it's sold out um um for, for for this weekend for last weekend shows that you know you, you can have a big rail. but the problem is there's there's not really many places in New Zealand where you can hold, host a big crowd of fifty or thousand people for for supercars. I mean, Hampton Downs does seem logical, but it's it's small and it hasn't got the um, space around it. And uh, interesting that Shane van Gispen again said Rapuna, which um, you know has got the population being in Christchurch, but it, it would lead an awful lot of work and an awful lot of money on it to get it up to sort of standards to hold the supercars.
2: Mm, interesting. I don't think they could do that within the space of a year. It's sad, though, uh, Lavina, to lose uh, an icon like that.
11: Yeah, and just like David mentioned, I mean, it's sold out for the weekend and you have to say for the final time, hide it up, you know. I think that is is quite sad that the support is there, but, you know, we just don't have enough tracks anywhere else to you know, make sure that the facilities are appropriate. I, I thought it downs would be a shoe-in as well, but you can't get those numbers there. Yeah, and it, it was interesting that Shane Van gizzi came out and, and, and backed Ruapuna um, in Tahi. Um, he said it's great racing there, but the facilities aren't good enough. So when you say invest money into making those facilities acceptable and up-to-date, you're looking at tens of millions of dollars. And I don't know if you've heard, but they're trying to come up with some coin to build a stadium in Christchurch at the moment. I don't know if any yeah. of the ratepayers there would feel too comfortable about a racetrack anywhere soon. <laughs> I,
2: I, I, totally, I totally agree with you. I totally agree. I think that all that uh, commitment is aimed in one direction at the moment. Finally, finally... Um, Lavina, I was in Australia at the weekend and uh, I was pretty close to uh, watching the, uh, the, the the commentators commentate the Roosters the Rabbitohs. What a game of rugby league that was!
11: Yeah, sensational. Final footy is just remarkable. I was actually in Sydney at the weekend as well, Smitty. So I caught um, lots of commentary in action and 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 plenty of footy. But it just takes it to the to the next level and um, we wait 26 weeks of you know either supporting your team and what I I do love about the NRL is that even if your team isn't playing very well the product is that good the quality of rugby league is that impressive that when it comes to the end of the season it doesn't really matter who you follow when you're watching games like that which was absolutely outstanding so it's getting down to the business end of the competition it's do or die on um, Friday night for the Eels and Raiders and You've also got the Bunnies and the Sharkies on Saturday night. You have to win and go through, or that is the end of your season. So whether or not you're a fan of those four teams, it doesn't matter because the quality of rugby league will be absolutely outstanding. And it's difficult to pick winners at this stage who will go through. I mean, who would have thought the Raiders had beat the Melbourne Storm? No one would have guessed that Mm. five or six weeks ago. Now the Raiders have won five games in a row and have an opportunity to topple the Eels, especially if they can't seem to field Mitch Moses, who looked as though he wouldn't be playing rugby league for a very long time. But apparently, he's seen a private doctor, Smitty, and he had a question session with that private doctor, which was very, very honest. And they asked him, have you had any headaches? And he said no. And then they said to him, do you remember what happened? And he said yes. And apparently, that's good enough in the NRL to get the tech to play for the Eels. And the Eels need him to play. If he doesn't play, they will definitely lose against the Raiders. But I I just tell you, if it was round two of the competition and it was the Newcastle Knights, you know, versus another side in the competition like the Titans, that certain player wouldn't be playing for four weeks, I guarantee it.
2: David Long, can you pick a winner at this point out in the NRL? Because uh, I I saw uh, the influence that Nathan Cleary can have on a game the other night. He was simply outstanding for the Panthers. Um, is it as is it as easy as just saying the Panthers or not?
13: I really think it is. I think the, going into the finals, though, the, I thought, the only team that I thought could could possibly challenge them is the Roosters. Although have, they would have had to come the long way, um, you know, by not being in, finishing the top four. But it, I think it just you know the Cowboys have had a great season. It, they've, they've looked very good. It's been an impressive um, turnaround from the team. But I, I still think there's daylight between the Panthers and everybody else in the NRL this year. And um, you know, I think for the first time for a while, we're going to see someone go go back back in the NRL.
2: Speaking of uh, rugby league, uh, Lavina, I, I see uh, one of the new recruits uh, coming back. Uh, John's Nicole Clocks said is uh, aiming to turn the Warriors around into title contenders next year. Um, that's interesting. Nice positive talk.
11: Yeah, nice positive talk at the end of the season with the Warriors not making it into the top top half of the competition to go through to the semis. I mean, I, I love Nickel said he He's a Warriors junior, and he was good enough to play first grade, but ahead of him he had Roger Tuovasashek and Fusatua and Kenny Mamalo. So he just struggled to get that opportunity to get game time. So he takes off to the Raiders and... You know, all of a sudden he finds himself seventy three games in for the Raiders, plays in the two thousand and nineteen grand final, which I think they lost to the Roosters, but um he played in that grand final and he's just become a new player. He's still only twenty seven years of age. I actually think he has a lot to offer. To be to be brutally honest with you, Smithy, if, if I had a choice between him and Rhys Walsh, I would pick Nickel Clockford. I like what he can do, um, around the ball. And also I like what he does for the players surrounding him. He's not an individual player. He's more a team player and he's definitely learned that at the Raiders. And it's something for the Warriors fans to get excited about. I mean, he, they'll sign him up and I think to Mighty Martin um, will come along next year, Dylan Walker, as well as Noah Corday and Mitch Barnett. So some pretty impressive signings. But I tell you what, if the Warriors could come up with some money um, – any any money whatsoever. If they could, speak, anyone put a million bucks in the back of their pocket, they should be tapping on Joseph Tuffany's door, who's the forward for the Raiders. He ran 200 metres last week with six tackle busts. His contract mm. is up at the end of 2023. He's a Kiwi international, and at this stage of the competition, probably the best forward playing so far in the NRL. So it'd be lovely if the Warriors uh, recruitment officers. Are thinking in the back of their minds where can they find some coin for Joseph Tapani Because the Warriors have always missed out on that, that roller that can run 200 yards, make 45 tackles and six tackle busts and win grand finals. So find some money for him. And uh, I'm sure he will help Nickel Clockstad with a 2023 season for the Warriors to give the fans something to get excited about.
2: Yeah, I'm excited already hearing you talk about it. Um, but I'm easily led. I'm very easily led. Uh, Lavina? Uh, <laughs> hey, David?
11: Hey, Mitty. Yes. Mitty, just quickly, just going back to the Panthers thing. It's interesting that everyone's tipping the Panthers to win the grand final on the back of the performance against the Eels last week. I, I don't doubt them. And Nathan Cleary is in sensational form. But I'm still bitter for his final performance in that state of origin match playing for New South Wales where they lost to Billy Slater's Queensland team. And what the opposition did was smother. Him. now we all know he has so much time he's the best player in the competition he reads it better than anyone else but if you want to shut the Panthers down you've got to shut down Nathan Cleary and not just with the ball in his hand you've got to shut down his kicking game as well and if any team manages to do that and rattle him which is what Queensland did Billy Slater told all of his players shut down Cleary will win the game If there's anyone out there that can tell their team to shut down Cleary against the Panthers, there's a chance that some other teams can have a crack at winning a premiership this year. They've got to shut him down early in the match.
2: Okay, uh, that's the answer to beating the Panthers. Uh, David Long, uh, just uh, finally, uh, Super Rugby, and it looks like Japan want to try and play peacemaker between Australia and New Zealand uh, for the future of the competition.
13: Yeah, this idea seems as crazy as the the idea that's going on in England about having a North Free South Premier League match. Um, you know, we saw it didn't work with the Sunwolves when they were in Super Rugby a few years ago. There's, I don't think there's... Um, you're not going to attract people to come to games in New Zealand or, or Australia after playing against Japanese sides, really. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. And, and they're talking about to do having a sort of a conference or, or games after after the Japanese finishes at end of May. Well, we, you know, we play test matches in, in June in New Zealand. Uh, and and then just have small conferences before that. It, it, it for so many reasons it doesn't work, and I just I don't think there's any appetite at all for uh, a Japanese uh, Japanese teams in the Super Rugby. And it, to be honest, it, it, Super Rugby has been messed around with, with with so many times over the years. You know, h- how do you even look at these days? How many titles have Crusaders won, or how many, of the Blues are won Where well, there's been different competitions. You know, there's been. I think it really needs just to settle down for a very long time and just be an Australian and New Zealand competition because that's what, that's what that's the core of it and that's what people in New Zealand want to see. They want to see the New Zealand teams go up against the other New Zealand teams and the likes of the Reds and the Waratahs and the Brumbies not against teams you know people, people don't really care about or know many players in that team.
2: David Long thank you very much for your contribution this morning and uh, Lavina Good as well always enjoy talking uh, with you. Uh, we'll have another panel tomorrow morning Around about the same time, it is 10.44 here on SENZ.
1: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, Pacing for Purpose, Season
2: 2. Well, you can live the dream, get involved in harness racing today, New Zealand Harness Racing, just visit uh, hrnz.co.nz and our Pacing for Purpose horse this week is uh, at Addington, Friday, 7:36 p.m. It is race five, uh, horse number eight, Majestic Man. There's no Muscle Mountain. That's a horse in this uh, last like uh, like last week, and the the mobile is a big plus for uh, this horse, Majestic Man. So he can dominate this. Um, so uh, hopefully we get a divvy for Women's Refuge, and of course uh, you can join Mick and Greg every Sunday from 11 a.m. for coverage of all the harness racing action from across New Zealand. That's on Trotstalk, Sundays, 11am. Thanks to all the great people at Harness Racing New Zealand. Time for uh, a couple more texts as well. Uh, Ken has come in, and I knew this was coming. Uh, Ken has said, Smithy, isn't it great to see Hoskins uh, at 8 finally to get his chance, paying $17 for the first try? Might go on that, picking the All Blacks by 20. Cheers, uh, Ken. Well, Ken, you might get your dream if uh, Hoskins stays on for the 80. He could be joined by Akira uh, yoani Ioani. And, of course, uh, Dalton Papali'i at some point, if the All Blacks decide to go that way. And that, for you, Ken would be living the dream, I am sure. Um, uh, Tim from Gisborne has come in. We got this one yesterday. Tim wanted to hold on to it. Smithy on the cricket, really disappointed on the Chapel Hadley series. We really seem to have a mental block when it comes to Aussie. We probably missed a trick in the first game and not bowling Bolt out when he was bowling so well. But to have them on the ropes in the first two games, I really thought we should have won at least one, if not both of them, and made a real series of it. Very uh, really, do we have a complete performance with both the ball and bat. And do you think their mental game is up to the mark? Well, it isn't uh, Tim against Australia, and uh, they won't admit that publicly, but I'm sure in many of their minds, particularly some of the guys who have had tried and failed against Australia on so many occasions, uh, I think it's fair to say that a number of them uh, are starting to feel it in that regard. So... Um, mate, a, a good text um, I, I'm not quite sure what the issue is uh, In terms of that But we need a bit of Lavina says mongrel We need a bit of something When it comes to our tactics against Australia We've got to be bolder Maybe next time around, eh? 10.51 here We'll be with Louis And Paul Mowati very shortly
1: All winter He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith On SNZ The loveracing.nz update
5: Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan.
0: Louis Herman Watt joins us in his uh, usual slot. Uh, Otaki today, Louis? Yeah, correct, Smithy. Otaki, that's exactly right. Otaki down there in the CD. There's an interesting race, race two. Uh, It's a maiden three-year-old, but there's some nice enough types... In this lineup, including Boasting for Royd, 550 uh, into 480 this morning. Uh, Colorado Silver, the first starter, McNabb takes the ride for the Benner. Winyard team. Uh, they've got another one there, Overidden as well. So there's an interesting uh, we little field assembled. Where I think these three year olds are going to go on and be multiple race winners. A few of them in particular. Uh, McNab has a great book of rides throughout the day. Uh, Gino fresh up for JJ Rayner in the last will definitely be in my combinations. And then Smithy, of course. What are we Thursday? Which means hmm. tomorrow is Friday. <laughs> yep. Sa- Saturday we've got. Group 1, Sir Rupert Clark, where we've got Kiwis as first and second emergency, Dragon Leap, and I wish I win, about first and fourth in the market, but the cheating Aussies won't let them in the race. Really, Louie? Really? I mean, isn't it just typical?
2: Yeah, it stinks, mate. It absolutely stinks. I'll tell you what to do. I'll tell you what to do, mate. Go and have a pint at the Paddington.
0: Yeah, that'll calm, that'll calm me down. I wish I could just, do you know what I wish I could do? I wish I could just back them for a Cornella, because they probably would, but they won't let them in the race. Actually, Peter no. Moody, who's training I Wish I Win, he's on the show tomorrow morning, running a Friday morning at the Stars of Spring. He won the race back in 2011, I think it was. He obviously has won a lot of group ones. He's uh, got a great team in this weekend, and they're moving forward th- throughout the spring. So at about 7 o'clock the small, uh, tomorrow morning, PG yep. Moody. Can't get
2: a better guest than Peter Moody. What a terrific bloke! Um, managed to have a beer with him one night at uh, Leo Malloy's establishment, which was great. 10:58 uh, here on here We pop across to the TAB where we find the ever-reliable Paul Moati on a day where the All Blacks are playing on a Thursday night.
10: Yeah, that's right, Smitty. Up at Melbourne at the uh, Marvel Stadium under the roof, the All Blacks currently a dollar twenty-five to win that match. The Wallabies, $3.80. We've got a bonus back promotion on that test match and a same-game claim as well. There's a number of power plays that you can start, uh, get stuck into. I just had a look at the uh, Anytime Tri-Scorer market, and the best-backed uh, player in that market, Samosoni Toki Aho, at $2.25. Mm-hmm. We've had 28% of the turnover uh, on that market is on Samosoni. Um, don't forget, he's a hooker and he's only paying $2.25. So he's been very, very well back in that anytime try-scorer market. If you think it's going to be a close game, we've also boosted uh, the All Blacks to win by one to five from $6 out to $7. Keep an eye out for that boosted market there as well.
2: Paul Moati, there. I can't wait to kick off 9.45 tonight. We'll have all the review of it, of course, tomorrow morning on the show as well. Uh, we're going to talk uh, rugby and stay with rugby. With Tom Decent, uh, who was a journalist from Australia, very shortly.
1: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Well, it is official Thursday night. Test rugby is a sellout. The All Blacks and the Wallabies will run out onto Melbourne's Marvel Stadium tonight with the Bledisloe Cup and all its history on the line. New Zealand have held the trophy since claiming it back in 2003. Since then, it's been uh, some pretty dark times for Australian rugby, I think it's fair to say. Uh, But with the All Blacks being inconsistent in their performances this year, now could be as good a time as any for the Wallabies and their bid to reclaim Trans-Tasman rugby's prized possession. Uh, Joining us now to uh, look at it from an Australian point of view is Sydney Morning Herald rugby reporter Tom Decent. Tom, thanks so much for your time this morning. Uh, It was officially announced yesterday that the match is a sellout, so even uh, in a very much an AFL time of the year, Melbourne has come to the party.
14: Yeah, 100%. There'll be an AFL finals match on the day after on Friday, but I think a bit of, um, a, you know, tick of approval has to go to Rugby Australia there for scheduling that on the Thursday, a full house at this stage. So um, there'll be a roof over the game in uh, at Marble Stadium and um, a massive crowd rolling into this bled as I'll open up. Plenty of excitement here in Melbourne.
2: Right. Uh, let's uh, look at uh, the Australian side in particular. And uh, Dave Rennie's had his, his hand uh, really twisted in a lot of areas here because of unavailability. What do you make of this Australian side?
14: Well, it's very different to that team that rolled out against the box. Some of those changes are definitely forced as well. We know Hunter Paisami, they really hoped he would be OK. He wasn't. Noel has a massive out with his concussion as well. So Bernard Foley comes back in. The clock's roll back three years for Australian rugby there. Very, very different situation to the one he was in three years ago. Um, Tanya Latupo's calf as well, not right so that was a big blow on the bench as well not being able to have him and then a few fourth changes as well Rennie really swinging the axe after that pretty bad defeat in Sydney um, eight changes there's a few questions as to whether the cohesion of that side will be able to click in time for this game so a very, very different side probably a bigger back row um, but there's, you know, look on paper I still think the All Blacks have still got a, a far superior team
2: It's a very interesting side Uh, when you look at perhaps uh, 9 and 10. That probably um, emphasises as much as any, the the two pivot roles there. Jake Gordon and Bernard Foley together. Uh, Bernard Foley back uh, into the highest level of rugby with very little preparation, it seems.
14: Absolutely. Well, all of us have just been decimated at number 10. As we know, Quade Cooper has done his rough shit, his Achilles. So he's gone for the year. Um, James O'Connor, we understand, has just done a syndesmosis injury as well, but he wasn't even in the squad, so he sort of was, couldn't have even been called in if they wanted to. Noel Olesea has a concussion. Uh, Reece Hodge is an option there at 10, but they don't see him there long term. Bernard Foley's then come back as training cover, really, um, and then has come from the clouds, pretty similar to Quay Cooper last year in the rugby championship, and he then, you know, was thrust into that number 10 role, and then Jake Gordon as well replaces Nick White, a very interesting decision. Nick White, I think, was the guy they had hoped was going to be their starting nine all the way through to the World Cup, a bit of continuity there, but a bad game against South Africa and um, perhaps that Waratahs combination that those two guys had two or three years ago um, with, with Foley and Gordon may have played a role, but a um, oh, huge stage. What a story it would be, but if a Foley could help tell the Wallabies win that one.
2: It would be an incredible story, um, quite frankly. Uh, yeah, the Nick White, uh, the Nick White uh, one is, is quite an interesting one. Of, of course, um, uh, in, involved in uh, some controversy during that uh, Springbok series, of of course. Um, so, w- why Jake Gordon? Um, why, why do you think he's gone, Jake Gordon, in the, this particular occasion?
13: I
14: really do think that they've been like that. Bernard and Jake know their game's a little bit better, given they have played a little bit at the Tars three years ago. Jake Gordon's a little bit um, sort of snipey out of um, you know, half back. He'll he'll run the ball a little bit more. I'm not sure why Tate McDermott's on the outer as well. I know he's been fantastic for the Reds, and they do like him as well. Um, Rennie didn't sort of elaborate on the on the Gordon decision too much. He thought he was quite good off the bench in Sydney, but from a, a lot of that game, he was actually feeling holes and playing a bit on the wing. Like he didn't play a heap of that match at half back, so. Um, a bold call in a massive game. Jake Gordon has started a lot at test level. Um, those two only started once in a test together back in 2018 against Italy. So, um, all eyes on those two with a huge, huge role for them coming up.
2: Tom, they always say when you ask the coaches, the game's won up front. Um, the All Blacks have uh, got a, a front row finally performing here uh, with the experienced locks of Ritalik and uh, Sam Whitelock behind them. Uh, what about uh, the Willoughby Tight Five led by James Slipper?
14: Yeah, look, it's pretty consistent there. They've obviously had a tweak at Hooker as well. I don't think the line has been functioning particularly well. The Wallabies have had the worst line-out record um, in the rugby championships so far, so they've gone with Dave Perecki there. Um, look, but yeah, I mean, James Slipper, you know what you're going to get with him. And Alan Alatoa, you know what you're going to get with him as well. And then the lock's a little bit of a change there. Jed Holloway, who's played a little bit of lock at super rugby level, has to come in there and cover that role that Rory Arnold leaves as well. And Matt Phillip. Um, a big body in the back row, though you've got obviously you know Rob Leota, who's a big guy. Pete Sami at number seven's an interesting call as well over Fraser McWright. Clearly, they think that he's going to be a bigger body and maybe not necessarily a bigger presence over the ball, but um, using utilizing Fraser a bit more off the bench as well. And um, and then Rob Valentini, like it's a game for him to stand up and show that he's really, really a, a figurehead of that forward pack, and it's this game on Thursday.
2: If the Wallabies get parity, if they get their fair uh, share of front football, are you confident uh, outside of, of Foley that they uh, have the combinations uh, to make advantage of it with the uh, Fekete and Iketau in the centres?
14: Oh, the short answer is no, to be honest. Um, I think they lack a massive, massive man there in Samu Karebi. Like, he's probably the biggest loss of that entire group if you look at it like-for-like Look, well, look for Fikiti, great player, good guy, but hasn't played a lot at test level. That combination is very, very raw with Lenny Kato as well, so I don't know how that will go. Andrew Kelleway has had a, you know, a great breakthrough year last year, and they'd love to see him be the fullback long-term, but he's got a massive role on his hands as well. Mareke Korembete will do his thing out wide, but I just think in that back line, given the number of test caps, given the number of times they've played together, um, things are going to have to really, really go their way to click, On the first game, I think Rennie alluded to that as well yesterday when we spoke to him, so um, interesting times ahead, hey?
2: Let's uh, look at uh, the overall impression of uh, where you think the All Blacks are at, Tom, because there is um, a school of thought that says this is uh, probably the, the most vulnerable point they've been at for quite some time. Do you think, looking at the Australian squad for tonight, the New Zealand side for tonight, they are vulnerable, the All Blacks?
14: Oh, I would I would say if Australia had their absolute 100% best team and they had shown no signs of inconsistency, yes. Um, I think that the All Blacks might be slightly vulnerable, but you look at that team on paper, the All Blacks have rolled out. It's still an incredible team. Um, you know, white-white retaliation, white, white as we know. The, the, the back line's still to die for. I think the Wallabies on paper would take any of those players, to be honest. Australia's just been too inconsistent. I don't think Australia band have seen enough to... pretty comprehensively in Adelaide, then, you know, had a terrible game in Sydney. So the sense is that, yeah, sure, New Zealand haven't been, you know, crash hot at the top of their game, but um, it's always something about Bledislaus, you know, that they rise for, particularly in openers as well. Australia have had a very, very bad record in Bledislaus openers, and we're always on the back foot, and as we know, two-game series makes it even harder, right?
2: Okay, let's uh, look at um, Dave Rennie. Uh, You would be fully aware that uh, the New Zealand media have been all over uh, Ian Foster in the last uh, few months, maybe even longer. Uh, What about the pressure on Dave Rennie from a media point of view, from an expectation point of view?
9: You
14: know, a few other good teams up there in Wales and all, that teams that could seriously roll them, then yeah, questions will have to be asked to play France up there as well. So that, so, so that win record could be very much under 40% by the end of the year. There is pressure on him for sure. Um, I think it's...
0: he
14: gone the way that you know that he would have wanted, and fit into his four-year plan. But it's hard to say that that has um, all come and, and clicked and gone to fruition so far for Dave Rennie.
2: The other issue, uh, Thomas, surrounding Michael Hooper, where is where is he at? Do you know? Yeah, not
14: a lot of word coming out of Wall um, of his camp from Michael Hooper, just out of respect for him. Uh, he may go on the spring tour. That was the last update we had from Dave Rennie that they weren't totally ruling that out. They made a call a few weeks ago he wasn't going to play in the Bledisloe Cup. Uh, my sense is that he probably won't go up north. He'll get a bit of time away from the game, rest his body up, um, because realistically, whatever happens up north... Um, in October, November, the people aren't going to remember next year when the World Cup rolls around. That's obviously the most critical, important tournament for Australia's best player to be at. Um, yeah, haven't had a lot of news on the Michael Hooper front. Um, very private guy, um, and he's, he's remaining that way. I haven't seen him around. So um, I assume we'll get a bit of an update after But As long as to where he's at, but everyone's hoping he gets back as soon as possible.
2: Tom... What kind of uh, game are you expecting tonight? Do you think it'll be a kicking-dominated game, or do you think it'll be um, a, a, a game where both coaches have said, you know, once we get balled, we just have a crack?
14: Yeah, possibly. I think New Zealand will play that way. Australia will be desperate to not let New Zealand counter so I think they'll be trying to be a little bit clever with their kicking game, a bit more territory sort of oriented, because they just know how deadly you know, the Kiwis can be on counterattack. Had a look at the track yesterday, and they'll be under the roof at and it looks incredibly... Brilliant. Um, it'll be a fast track. I think there'll be a lot of points in the game. Um, but obviously, you know, going back to the fundamental set piece, you know, line out ball scrum, all that stuff that the Wallabies keep talking about and they've been inconsistent at they'll be trying to, to play it. And I think New Zealand, I don't think they've got anything to lose. They'll be maybe a bit tentative and there's been some talk that if Australia can start well, then that might highlight a few insecurities of this all black side who haven't been at their best. But I think whoever, you know, starts well should should go on with and win it.
2: Uh, Tom, just getting away from uh, the rugby championship as such, which has been quite enthralling, actually, with these wins uh, and lose, losses, et cetera, and the unpredictability of it, there's a story uh, floating around about Japan who could potentially join Super Rugby with Australia and New Zealand uh, to try and link it together. Do you, do you see that being a viable move from an Australian point of view?
15: Oh, good question.
14: Yeah, possibly. I know people at Rugby Australia have been trying to include... You know, um, Japan within some sort of tournament models, possibly going forward. Um, there was previously talk of trying to do a sort of final system where you would get, you know, the best of Australia and New Zealand play in the, you know, play against the best of Japanese teams. I think there's merit in it as well. I don't think we need to cast in it too wide though. We've just finally had you know, the creation of Super Rugby Trans-Tasman and we're trying to get that 12-team up and running and locked and loaded and, and, you know, viable for the future. I think maybe we just need to get that sorted first, um, you know, potentially having a few teams in and out depending on what year it is and how, how they want to go about it. But, um, yeah, that's an interesting report, man.
2: Tom, uh, always great catching up with you. Enjoy uh, the footy tonight. It's going to be, uh, I think, a magnificent occasion and uh, I can I'm, I'm pretty positive the All Blacks will win, but I'm, 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 I can't really work out a margin. I'm, I'm trying to work it around in my head, but um, yeah, you're, you're forecasting an All Black win, basically.
14: Yeah, well, fifteen points at least. Um, and that yeah, it'd be great yarn if the Wallabies win, and it makes next week a bit more interesting for everyone. Maybe not Kiwi fans, but uh, certainly Australians <laughs> over here. So, I think the Kiwis yeah. will be too strong.
2: Well, wow, OK, 15-plus, uh, says uh, Tom. OK, hey, thanks very much for your time this morning, mate. Enjoy the, enjoy the night at Marvel Stadium. Thank you.
14: No, right. thanks, Dan.
2: Yeah, cheers, uh, Tom Decent there. Of course, uh, rugby writer for the Sydney Morning Herald, um, and uh, they'll be all over that as well, and probably be on about page 26 because of the NRL playoffs at the weekend, and um, that's exactly where they go. Probably be on page 28 in the Melbourne Age. Uh, because of uh, uh, the AFL playoffs as well, but that's where rugby sits in a couple of those states um, and that's why they're playing tonight on Thursday night and we can't wait 9.45 is the kick-off time we shall be back very shortly Talk a bit of football actually and let's not forget there's uh, an interesting double header coming up between uh, Australia and New Zealand Our first game will be at Brisbane next Thursday, uh, the 22nd at Suncorp and then uh, that's literally a very big rugby rugby league ground of course and then as Eden Park is a big uh, rugby ground. That's going to be hosting the second of the doubleheader, uh, and that is uh, on Sunday the 25th, so you can get tickets for that. Now, I think that'll be a massive occasion. Not very often we get to see the all-whites against quality opposition um, in New Zealand, to be perfectly fair. One bloke who's uh, really keen on uh, that happening and taking a real interest in the outcome is uh, Chris Milicic. Of course, Chris is uh, a well-known player, coach uh, and commentator and he was uh, on extra time with uh, Ricardo Ball talking about this fixture.
15: Uh, we also have the All Whites taking on uh, the Socceroos in two games. One, uh, one here, one in Brisbane, of course. So uh, that's not next, uh, not this weekend, but the weekend after. Um, be great to see this as a an annual or a or a, or a biannual fixture, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, totally. I, I, I've thought for many, many, many years both countries have sort of uh, ignored this opportunity to build. Uh, a regular fixture, especially when getting fixtures um, on a world stage is is difficult for everybody because of cost and travel and that sort of thing, Um, I'd love to see this become quite a regular thing. And and now that the All Whites are are deemed a professional, far more competent unit than we have for years, um, Australia will certainly see you as a viable opposition, and we've got to maintain that that continues in the future so that it becomes a regular, even if it was every sort of couple of years. Uh, I'm not sure we could do it every year because it's just take windows, but any time there's a window of both teams when nobody's prepared to play you, they should be playing each other, in my opinion. Even if it was more domestic slash A-league players, they should be setting those games up. Yeah, a hundred percent, mate. hundred percent. I mean, we we have had a look at the uh, teams uh, that the squads have been announced. The All Whites, of course, have named a couple of new names, and and Kyle Adams is, is one of those. Alex Paulson getting an opportunity to be part of the group as well. Um, and and we've got a few out, uh, a few injured. But I mean, in terms of how strong that is versus the Socceroos, what do you think? Well, look, I I think it's an evolution, it's continued to go forward. Kyle Adams is a, is a left foot defender that plays in the second tier in the in the US and he deserves an opportunity and so the nucleus of a, the team is there, the one we've always had. Of course, people are always looking for the really, really big names, you know but as long as Chris is there and, uh, you know, we're probably too. we we're missing more and the more it seems to stick out is of course the Preet Singh and Ryan Thomas but the reality is the team's consistently bringing through. So when players are missing, another professional steps into the door, ready to play. So long-term future, you know, the next World Cup in four years is the one that I think everybody's quite aware is this All-White team would be really sort of ready to go. So, you know, he's every opportunity, the coaching staff of the All-Whites need to look to build the depth and continue to look to find people that need to replace the Winston Reeds and the Tommy Smiths of the world.
2: Yeah, very interesting uh, thoughts there of uh, Chris Milicic um, and I'm so looking forward to that uh, that double header and I've, I agree uh, perhaps we could come up with uh, a trophy or something that would make the, this a regular and annual event but as we all know there's the FIFA windows and etc uh, to get your full strength uh, players back and available are so rare. Uh, so many of our players are playing in so many leagues around the world it's almost impossible to think that Danny Hay or whoever is going to be the all-whites coach going forward we don't know about Danny Hay at this stage um, whether they're able to accumulate the, 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 the kind of side that they would like to stack up against Australia on a regular basis so uh, we'll keep an eye on that and we'll uh, focus in on that uh, certainly uh, during next week as we build up to that uh, double header uh, some texts that uh, have also uh, come in Um, Jared has said uh, it must have been a hard watch for you in Australia talking about the cricket, really disappointing with the Black Caps. a prime opportunity to beat Oz in Oz, but yet again no, and the way we lost, anyway surely the All Blacks uh, turn up the heat tonight in Melbourne could be, but it could be a Cornell with uh, both codes Uh, I hope not, I really do, I think the All Blacks will will front up tonight I think uh, they'll make the most of this wonderful atmosphere under the roof at Marvel Stadium and uh, they'll get stuck in and I think they'll come out of the blocks running and uh, hit the ground running very fast, which will be an issue. Reese has come in uh, a little concerned. Look, uh, Smithy, I lost all respect for the team during the second match after Williamson was dismissed, and the cameras showed him, Southey and others joking around. Just seemed that they had zero respect for the shirt and the match. They make their money from IPL, etc., and no longer have the same respect in representing their country. Uh, Interesting observation that, Reese. I saw that. Um, I saw that. And, And when your side's under the pump and... You know, you've got uh, young players around the joint trying to um, take in and and learn from those older players. Uh, I I don't often think it's a a great atmosphere, particularly if they're waiting to bat or whatever, um, when the older guys are are making light of uh, any situation, particularly in a match against Australia, uh, particularly in a match that um, is going down the gurgler. Uh, I I, I saw that as well. Um, Maybe that uh, was just a rare occasion, but I would hate to think that it was uh, a consistent, an absolute consistent attitude because those games uh, were very, very serious, and in the end result, uh, the results uh, were very serious as well, uh, which uh, leads to other texts as well. Uh, Gary, Stead, idiot or genius, it's coming. He is picking a team for Indian conditions a year out from the World Cup. Two quicks, three spinners, and all rounder. And Conway, Williamson, Mitchell, Latham, and nudges for middle overs. And Gupta, Allen, Phillips, and Nisham to get off to a flyer in the first ten to try and get a 70 plus. Uh, then Nerdle and Nudge and hope to score heavily in the last ten. With wickets in hand, so that is um, a tactic um, which New Zealanders sides have done in the past uh, is to try and accumulate during those middle orders. And then along came a fellow by the name of Brendan McCullum and said, "We don't uh, be accumulators. We don't need to be accumulators. Uh, we need to be strikers. We need to be attackers." And of course, we know all know what the end result was uh, from that was. We've got players capable of going through in uh, the whole of the 50 overs and in uh, the Indian conditions. Yeah, uh, they'll change on a daily basis. Uh, They will spin, they will dust up, um, and uh, they'll be very tough to bat on, and I think we should be looking at that and uh, playing uh, a lot of cricket in preparation if we can in those kind of conditions, whether we can conjure them up in this country. Well, it's been the age-old question, hasn't it? Can we produce wickets that spin to encourage our spinners to turn the ball? Uh, And also, the other one to me is, um, where is East Saudi? Where is East sodi uh, God knows. Uh, I mean, the guy's just got to be given, uh, I think, a, re- a real opportunity to go forward uh, and a mandate to just a bowl leg spin, develop his art and, uh, you know, uh, e- and get people out. Get people out. Uh, the best way to stop a run rate is to get the batsman walking back to the pavilion. Right, uh, the best way for you to earn 100 bucks is right now. Dial 0800 150 0800 150 $100 TAB product, it's money up for grabs very shortly after the news here with Araha.
6: Ian Smith's had a good match here.
5: Stumped by Smithy.
6: Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
16: And first day back in the chair, Ian Smith got a stumping and of course we're now playing for a $100 TAB bonus bet today, Smithy.
2: Yep, looking forward to that. And... Um, why not make it 150 150 going into the weekend? That would be great. Um, so what do we got in terms of guests and or
16: participants and subjects today? Logan? I like the confidence coming from you, Smithy. First up at the crease, we've got Wade from Christchurch. Come in, mate.
8: Morning,
10: guys.
16: How are you doing? Yeah.
10: Challenge is on here, Smithy.
2: What's the Yeah, the pressure's on, all right. Don't you worry about that. I, I mean... There's you any place me? in the country I, I, I don't want the country, uh, I don't want the hundred bucks to go to. It's Christchurch. Okay, Wade. Good luck.
16: Ooh. Okay, Wade. The topics for you today to choose from. We've got the NFL, golf, and the Bledisloe Cup. Take your pick.
10: Uh. say the Bledisloe Cup. All
16: right. One hundred on the line. Here we go. Good luck. Big one tonight, big one tonight there in Melbourne at Marvel Stadium. First question What year was the first Bledersloe Cup match? 19.
10: 1906.
11: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
16: Smithy we're going back in the history books here over to you Have we had a hundred of them? I don't know
2: I can't remember us um, playing the hundredth one of it so I'm going to say a little bit later than that I'm going to say about uh, 1928
11: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field
16: You were very very close Smithy 1932 2nd of July the All Blacks won at 20 to 13 at the Sydney Cricket Ground so we uh, we started off on a good foot, and of course, you know they've, they've done all right ever since. Second question for you, Wade: The all Blacks have been the dominant team throughout the Bledisloe Cup history—forty-eight of 48 series wins. There you go, Smoothie. Forty-eight. How many? How many have Australia won? Twenty-three.
11: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
16: So you're trying to work the percentages there, Smitty. Over to you. Yeah, um, I think it's on the right track.
2: I think Wade's on the right track there. Um, I'm going to say they won 26. 26. That's a couple of chips no, the right in the slot.
16: No. No. What? Oh, that was a misfire. <laughs> that was an absolute Oh, misfire. you're kidding me. I'm sorry. You're, you're wrong. You. Yeah, I'm sorry for the tease there. That's my fault. Um, no, the, there's even less, guys. Even less. 12. The, the best win streak for the Wallabies has been five from 1998 to 03. As Brian puts that, it's the Tane Randall years, and they haven't held it ever since. Okay. That's
2: that is intriguing. I thought they might be a little bit stronger than that. But the last decade, the last 15, 20 years have been pretty much one sided, haven't they? Okay, um, uh, Logan, what's question three?
16: Uh, yeah, hopefully that you trigger finger doesn't come back. Last question for you, Wade. $100 TRB bonus beer on the line. The record for most tries in a match by an individual is four. And it is shared by a player from each nation. Former Aussie flanker Greg Cornelson did it in 1978 at Eden Park, which All Black achieved that same feat in 2018 at Eden Park. Oh god.
8: 2018. Oh
2: 2018. Four tries. Four tries. Four tries.
10: Joe Rocktoker.
16: One of the worst things I have ever seen yeah. done on a cricket field. Not Joe Smithy over to you.
2: Yeah, I'm struggling here. I really should get I probably was on the sideline for that game which makes my lack of knowledge absolutely appalling. Um, 2019 that's only three years ago 18 say 2018, four years ago. Should have this right there, right there in the palm of your hand. World Cup wingers in 2019 in the World Cup. Uh, Got to be a winger. I- I'm su- suggesting I'm a winger or a fullback. Maybe a fullback. Uh, nah, I-, I-, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't. I- fullback? Uh, no, I can't. I'm sorry. I- I'd have to go someone like Caleb Clark.
11: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
16: Bodie, Boden Barrett was the answer I was looking for.
2: Boden Barrett, Boden Barrett. Okay. Well, well, I'm done. I'm done. And Wade, <laughs> congratulations, congratulations, mate. Neither of us were any damn good, but here's the thing: you're a hundred bucks better off, and I'm not. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Okay, mate. Start, what are you? What are you forecasting tonight? Big win. Um. I think they win my more than a converted try. Rightio. So seven plus. Uh, so seven plus for Wade. Uh, stay on the line, mate. Um, and uh, Brian will get your details. We'll get that money into your account as soon as we possibly can. Wade from Christchurch, Thank our God. winner this morning. Yeah. Well, yeah, good morning. Uh, good morning, mate. Uh, have a good day, and we'll be back very shortly.
1: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on N Z.
2: Well join us each week we try to raise funds for four New Zealand charities ours of course is Women's Refuge and we do it through the pacing for Purpose Horse but we also do it through the the greyhound racing industry as well Uh, and our greyhound for this week is racing at Addington Friday, tomorrow night being 6.51pm it's race 7 number 2 Texas Jewel number 2 Texas Jewel at the Addington Greyhounds tomorrow night race 7 and you can tune into SENZ every Sunday from 12pm for Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed, hosted by uh, legendary Greyhound experts and Mark Rosanowski and Dan Roberts. Don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed on Sunday at noon. Uh, I've been having uh, some thoughts about this uh, young lady, if you can call her that. This is uh, Caitlin Moran who plays for the Newcastle Knights and uh, had this expletive on uh, Twitter and left it up there for nine hours. Didn't just put it up and take it down, put it up and left it there for nine hours. So she meant it, she absolutely meant it. Uh, I won't repeat what she put on her uh, Twitter message, but it has caused a furor within Australian rugby league circles, and uh, I wouldn't imagine they've noticed it too much on the other side of the world in England. Uh, But it was disgraceful, absolutely disgraceful. Uh, Leading uh, sports broadcasters such as Ray Hadley have labelled it uh, reprehensible, reprehensible um, And it was, it was disgusting, absolutely disgusting uh, Her punishment has been to be banned for one game And 25% of her salary um, I think it goes a bit deeper than that for me uh, I, I don't think she, she needs to make some serious apologies um, Around the place And for, for me to even think about uh, The fact that she made a, um, a genuine mistake here Otherwise, you've got to think that uh, with the nature of what I said, uh, she's got a serious problem, this girl. What do you make of that?
16: Uh, this is a really interesting topic slash issue, Smithy. I, I would be honestly very surprised if an apology came out unless she was basically forced to buy the NRL to try and save some face here. Uh, Because, I mean, the comments that she made, you know, she's speaking about the indigenous relationship that the monarch had with Australia or has with Australia and obviously feels incredibly strongly about it, which is why I kind of feel we may not get any kind of uh, reply or comment from her in terms of an apology. It does hit her pretty hard in terms of, I mean, the fine and, you know, the game as well. The season is a lot shorter in the NRLW, so she's going to get pinged quite hard there. And uh, also she now goes down in history as the first NRLW player to be suspended for an off-field incident and I mean to me yeah she broke the code of conduct there in terms of the social media policy for the NRL that kind of thing is important and it's in place for a reason when we see the likes of what has happened around say like Israel Folau in the past but when you consider some of the off field incidents that are happening in the NRL in the past have happened recently you just got to look at at Taylor May Uh, that is a much deeper issue I don't like this idea of you know people lab- labelling someone a dog, I mean I just find that really disrespectful no matter who you are, what colour your skin is or anything, or whether you're, you are a Queen or not. But yeah, she went pretty far, I, I don't know if she will have learnt her lesson in terms of wanting to give an apology like you might be wanting but the fact that she's going to miss game time, that is probably going to hurt her a lot Smithy.
2: Well I hope so and I hope it uh, hurts her team Newcastle as well because other people uh, that should be around her Giving her the message uh, Just totally, totally out of order Totally out of order I've never, when I read it I just thought, nah, you, you cannot You cannot be, I mean you've, You cannot be writing that stuff And leaving it up there for nine hours That was the thing that got me You know, if she put it up there a, In a fit of rage and then someone saw it And said, take it down quick, quick, smart Before
16: someone sees it Sure, sure, nine hours, Logan Nine hours, Yeah, that one is a bit bizarre. But this is the thing in the age of social media and Twitter is even if it was up for five minutes, guarantee someone would have screenshotted that and it would live on in infamy. And I do, I appreciate and applaud the media that have reported on this for not publishing uh, what was said. There's others that have and the words are out there. But, yeah, nine hours is a long time. I, you kind of would have thought that the Newcastle Knights would have picked up on that and said, hey, what are you doing? Uh, perhaps maybe we should take this down. So the fact that it took nine hours for something to happen, it, it is, yeah, a bit interesting. I'll say that. Okay. Yeah, it is. Uh, disgusting. I, I think it's disgusting. Anyway, um,
2: they're the mooting this idea of an All-Star game um, in the uh, Premier League. Uh, the Chelsea owner, uh, the new owner, Todd uh, Burley, has uh, called for an all-star game in the Premier League, similar to those played in the United States. It has uh, hasn't been that well received by uh, your good friend, Jurgen Klopp. Um, Burley is uh, the head of a consortium that completed an $8.2 billion takeover of Chelsea in May, of course, after Abramovich a, a was uh, kicked out of the joint. Uh, he suggested in a, in a conference in New York that northeast south would create revenue that would filter down the English football pyramid. Klopp believes the idea is unworkable sighting an already crowded fixture list. He doesn't wait long. He says when he finds a date for that, he can call me. And ex- American sport players have four-month breaks, Klopp said after his side's Champions, uh, Champions League win over Ajax of Amsterdam. Does he want to bring the Harlem Globetrotters here as well? That is uh, typical <laughs> Jürgen Klopp.
16: I love that. I love the humor coming out of you. And you're making me sound like a Liverpool fan when you say, "My man, I don't even know if I have a team yet, Smithy. I'm still trying to decide." I do think, though, he is right there. I mean, is this is is Todd Burley trying to basically be a real life Ted Lasso? Is he trying to come into you know the English game and try and Americanize a little bit? I mean. When you think of the all-star programs like in the NBA, the NHL, you've got the the Pro Bowl and the NFL, there's a lot of, it's lacklustre. It has kind of lost a lot of its sheen and, you know, a lot of players don't actually care to play it uh, anymore. They Some feign injury, some find ways to get out of it, whether they get suspended or not for missing it. They honestly don't really care because it doesn't mean anything. It's just uh, like an entertainment product at least in the world, you know, in, in terms of Major League Baseball, a result uh, in the All-Star game there decides who gets home advantage in the World Series. There's nothing like that with the other major sports uh, in the States. So, yeah, I, I definitely don't really see anything like this taking shape in, in uh, the Premier League, Smithy. and I think Jurgen Klopp, uh, the way he's sort of come about it, it probably a lot of people might reflect uh, his thoughts.
2: I agree. Totally agree. Uh, I can't see it happening. Not, uh, not in uh, our lifetime anyway. Well, mine in particular. Logan, you might go a bit longer than me. Um, Mark has texted in and said, uh, read it out, Smithy. Read it out. I, I won't read it out, Mark. But uh, what I will do is, uh, if you want to read what she said, Google her name. Caitlin Moran. C-A-I-T-L-I-N Moran. And uh, you'll see it um, in uh, one or two of the articles that uh, they have uh, published there. It's still up for grabs if you want to see it. Disgusting. 1151, time for staff shortly.
1: Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why Tire Power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely, and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply, so visit tirepower.com.au or call 132191.